turkey. F- <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of turkey, f- this podcast is brought to you by Farmers Business Network. <laughs> the network, the network, the network, the network. All right. So Farmers I ju- Business Network. <laughs> I just have to apologize because here we are in the basement recording a podcast for the second time because right, I just had my first major, major error in recording the podcast. Had the wrong mic hooked up, and so we're going to attempt to have the same conversation for a second time. So I hope that this podcast ends up being quality. Are you going to tell them that we're having the second conversation? I think so, because Jesus, I am just so discombobulated. I won't be able to let that go. I'm so mad at myself. Do I get to do my like the the beer joke thing I did again? It won't have the same reaction. I don't even know. I don't even remember Nobody knows. the beer joke. You 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 would. I will when you say it. But yeah. I'll, I'll did I laugh the first time? You did. I'll laugh again then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like deja vu. Well, so really the only thing we have to worry about at this point is keeping Becky together for a whole nother podcast. The, it, the, the listeners, I mean, they have no idea. Yeah, the uh, the how many errors have we had in our podcast recording? So we've probably got three like garbage. Like 50% now at this point. Yeah, we've got at least three garbage podcast episodes because Becky got... Too trashed for one, and then too trashed for another one. Her friends got well, too trashed for another one. Well, that wasn't just me. Come on now. We tried to we tried to record a all female Harvest Wives podcast edition, and it was the biggest fail ever. Well, partially because you guys you get, so you guys did a hot dish build trade. What do you call the thing? You you made hot well, like, freezer meal party. We there made you go. freezer meals. They did that first. So who knew that a bunch of women during harvest. To start drinking six hours before they tried to film a podcast would go bad. <laughs> Who also knew how, I mean, we all know how irritable we get during the harvest season. I mean, who knew just how irritable? I have never, I would have never anticipated the amount of, like, bitching, anger. Bitterness. Torn. Just like, there was a room full of you angry women. You put a bunch women. of pent-up women together? Yes. It was really bad. It was an epic and then and then we tried like a second time we tried to like weed out the really bad ones we're like nope nope you you, you haven't made the cut fruit. like okay we're gonna have we're gonna use like the better of the and it's still it was terrible and then we're like okay let's try again and we'll just do, do two harvest wives and two husbands but by then i i was like eight hours into recording the podcast and was just bombed eight like, hours yes it was ridiculous it, it, was, it was yeah they called us home from the bar yes <laughs> they, yeah. needed they, needed help. they legitimately called us home from the bar like we can't we need do this assistance. without you yeah it was and for so the first time bad. ever i was mad like i literally went to the bar when i didn't want to so that you could make this podcast happen <laughs> It was. It, it didn't work call out. Call me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we had another big fail tonight, but we have. Uh, We're gonna bring it in. We have Eric and Erica here with us. Um, they are local turkey farmers in our area. We visited their farm previously to make a YouTube video. And Mike Rowe did as well. Oh yeah, also Mike Rowe for Dirty Jobs. Second coolest guy to ever farms. record a video. There. Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna be on the podcast here shortly, right? Mike. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming. Which we've um, not reached out to him yet, but I'd assume he'll show up someday. Well, he'll be listening to this. What's the Off the Husk podcast? Right. So yeah. so go ahead, get a hold of the Millennial Farmer Mike Rowe, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can schedule you in. 
Also, Mike, um, if you're interested in becoming an FBN member, you can save $100 now by using me as a reference. Nice. (laughs) Well planned. (laughs) All right. So, Erica, would you mind telling us about your farm for a second time? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the shit show. Welcome to the shit show. So, Erica Sawatsky? Sawatsky. I believe it's Sawatsaki. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Norwegian origin, right? Is that a jet ski model? <laughs> yes. Sawadzaski <laughs> <laughs> 420. So I shouldn't even bring this up, but before we got married, I had said to Eric, God, it's going to be really hard to change my last name from Nelson to Swatsky. Can't you just take mine? And he was like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you so, send the mic oh, my way? So, yeah. so, we have, myself? so we have a friend. <laughs> We do have a friend who, well, for a short time when he was married, took her oh last name and mixed it with his last name. So whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you don't know about this? No. I'm so it excited. Was Ryan. <laughs> Klugsdorf. It was Ryan. Nuh-uh. Yes. <laughs> so anyways. So Ryan Suckstorf? We have yeah. to spell this what? out. He did that. He did. Klugsdorf. Because she... <laughs> No, I'm no. so amped to hear more about this when the mics are off. He's gonna kill me. How did I not know this? Is the guy who's gonna finish putting up our turkey barn. Yeah, he's the carpenter. Hey, good guy, good guy. Nelson. Manly man, okay. Ryan. I need to spell this out. How would we? How would we combine Nelson and Swaski? Yeah, you want to try it? <laughs> All right. Well, Brandy's trying to figure that out. Erica's gonna Nowatsky's tell us about her turkey farm. Swatson. O W. I'm lost. <laughs> He's lost. Can't spell anyway. So now we don't get the sorry. effect of her spilling a beer right away. Oh, uh, we missed that. You yeah, but now you that? just told your the whole podcast world that I dumped my. You were beer. the first one to spill a beer on the Off the Husk podcast, it's but I see it was a pretty shitty beer, and you didn't want the second one. No, you want to just tip it over? I'm so heartburn. sorry. I'm so sorry. The first one was really good. The second one is really giving me gut rot. I mean, the second half of the first one was really good. It's a grapefruit well, shandy. It'll do that. Yeah, like like grapefruit. Who buys grapefruit shandies? Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, People I did. who wear socks to bed, Randy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring my own beer. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the sixth generation on our... On our family farm, Oakdale Farm, the farm was started by my great-great-great-grandfather. I'll share a story with you guys that I didn't share the first time. Um, He immigrated here in 1848 from Norway um, and homesteaded actually in Wisconsin first. Fought in the Civil War and was honorably discharged. Um, When he moved back to Wisconsin, that was when the Homestead Act was enacted and so you could get free acreage so that's why he decided to come to minnesota um, and where he homesteaded our farm so in 1866 uh, is when he homesteaded our farm could he not do that homesteading in wisconsin no because he he homesteaded before the homestead act so homestead act is it um, 1862 i can't remember the year but But, he couldn't stay where he was right right well no he could but to get free acres and right. you know and start a farm um, he had to he had, he relocate. had to relocate to sure. minnesota yep so he came to the birthplace of america correct god's country kensington minnesota home home of the runestone home of the vikings that's right <laughs> yes 
<laughs> so how many do you know how many acres was it 160 did you yeah it um the homestead act was it 120 or 160 160 160. quarter quarter land yeah so it was so it was 160 acres okay yep i like i like history but i'm how much so you're on you're on red rock lake yeah do you know how many (laughs) acres does anybody else hear that that's just onyx upstairs rollerblading playing hockey (laughs) i don't know in the kitchen dining room area right directly above our heads during a podcast it's not showing up on the mic so i think we're good so you're a sixth generation turkey farmer um and well all five out of those six generations were farming turkeys correct right Right. So my great great grandmother started um, raising turkeys. So she would um, hatch out uh, baby turkeys, poults, as what, what we call them, um, in the spring. Raise them until the fall, and then she would butcher them and sell sell the turkey, the whole turkey, um, as a supplemental income for her family. Okay. And you guys, uh, for the past how many years you've been doing? You've been raising eggs essentially yeah you sell eggs right um so we actually so we've been breeders well really since day one i mean you know um my great-great-grandmother i mean she would raise market birds but she would hatch out her own eggs um her son my great-grandfather um and his wife really expanded the um turkeys and you know back then i mean they had like milk cows and in everything but they would actually bring their um, turkeys to turkey shows around the state and you know kind of like you do with cattle I mean you show off your genetics you know so they did the same thing with the turkeys showed off their genetics to sell their eggs and so each generation has just kind of expanded when my dad was growing up at that time until the 90s um, we had market birds and breeders so mar- market birds meaning birds raised for meat and then our breeders meaning hens that lay eggs that that we sell those eggs so up until the 90s i mean we really had both um the 90s then we specialized in the breeders a lot of that is for um biosecurity bio reasons and just to be more efficient on the farm by having uh breeders we had them year-round instead of just throughout the winter time breeders your <laughs> eggs they're, they're taking your eggs and you're they're hatching them Four more birds. Yeah, so we you, you you're not hatching the eggs, right? So um, the kind of the the process on our farm is um, we get our baby turkeys, our poults, when they're a day old, um, raise them until they're old enough to lay eggs, which is thirty weeks. So they'll start laying um, eggs at thirty weeks, um, and then they'll lay. Their lay cycle is about twenty eight weeks long. So from the time that they come to our farm at one day old until they leave our farm and go to market, that's about a year and a half um, time frame. So we are picking eggs all day long, um, every single day for about 10 hours straight. So it's very labor intensive. Um, All of our hens need to be artificially inseminated once a week to keep that fertility, you know, high up so that those eggs are fertile. So those eggs, um, we sell to a hatchery. So we, there's a truck that comes from the hatchery twice a week to our farm. They pick our eggs, bring them back to the hatchery. Do you have to keep them refrigerated then for those days? Yeah, so we have a room actually that we keep at um, 
about 58 degrees. And then um, actually it's very low humidity. And so an environment like that keeps those eggs dormant. You know, and obviously we don't want to keep them in a dormant stage very long. That can affect your um, fertility right. and, and your hatchability. But so, yeah, they, but the hatchery, um, once they, once that hatchery truck takes them from our farm. Then they go to an incubator? Yep, then they go into an incubator and it takes 28 days for them to hatch out. Those eggs that we sell to the hatchery, they're sold to um, a turkey farmer who's going to be raising turkeys for meat. So, so they're so twenty-eight days. How many, how many eggs at a time that they hatch out? Yeah. Oh, oh, I have no idea. I mean, it's I mean, it's hundreds of thousands. It's a lot. That'd be interesting to see sometime. That would be. That'd be oh, they, crazy. They lay all them eggs out and incubate <laughs> it. <laughs> it is. It, it's a warehouse. I mean, that's what it looks like. It's yeah. a warehouse type incubator because of hundreds of thousands of birds. Because you said when you get the day olds, how many do you get at a time? We get about 9,500 at one time. 9,500 one-day-old eggs. So right. all 9,500 of those eggs were hatched in one day, loaded up, packaged. How do you package, how do you package an egg? How do you they package a one-day-old one no, 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 chicken? No, it's a chick just sitting yeah. in so a little how do you container. Package that a little... <clears throat> it's not a chick. It's a poult. <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you package a poult? <laughs> is, in a is box. What each, each differentiates one gets its own a poult wrapping. from a chick? Well, chick is a swear word on a turkey farm. Oh, really? Really? Or chicken? Yeah. According to my grandma. Oh, <laughs> because a chick is a chicken. <laughs> yeah. And a so poult is a baby turkey. Maybe. I'd have just called it a turk. Wow. I would have said turk too. <laughs> I'm the dairy guy on the farm. I would have said turk know. a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so So she can't tell us how to pick up chicks. No. Oh, Only poults. Fail. Sorry. <laughs> so how do you? So how do I you prefer to pick them up with my legs? Ninety-one hundred poults. Yeah. So they um, they come in a box actually of eighty. Uh, so so there's eighty to a box, but that box has um, four little sections, and so they're all. I mean, they're packed together pretty tight, but you know, as a day old poult, um, I mean, they need to be kept warm so that the the trucks are. Um, heated you know but to have them packed like that have you that keeps so if they're chickens do you call them hot chicks (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't sit on that (laughs) have you ever seen the hatchery and like them packaging up i mean is it is it factory style? Is it like robots like throwing eighty chicks in a box and sending? They them? use pitchforks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you edit that out? <laughs> um, yeah. So we actually we both have toured the hatchery, and it. I mean, they do. They use what? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they do use. Uh, Equipment actually from a um, company in Wilmer that is, I think, I mean, it's that's what they do. They specialize in making equipment for um, for poults, and so those um, those poults when they're hatched, you know, and, and they're dried, they do get vaccinated before they come to our farm. So they get um, sexed, it's called, and that's done by people. So you know, the hens get separated from the toms. That's done by people. By people, they pick up each and every. Pult? They do. Yep, and they Holy separate cow. out the hens from the toms. Yep, um, that's, that's a big day for that could guy. You, yeah, could you imagine all day, eight hours a day, just no. flipping one over, flipping one over, flipping one over? I would be the guy that would just, I would just chuckle and throw a bunch of toms in there, like, ah, like <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> figure that out lunchtime. It's lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Like I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying before, you do get a few toms mixed in. We do, yeah. Um, you know, in a flock of 9,500, I mean, it varies, but like the last, I think, two flocks, we've got like 75 toms in one flock and then like 90 in another. From a lazy sexer. From a lazy sexer. Yeah. Them son, them son of a those. bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So, But yeah. your farm now is going through, you guys are transitioning? You're, you're switching from doing the whole egg business to going to meat, right? Right. So we're actually going through a generational and operational uh, i know i had it written trans- down this time <laughs> 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 i was ready you were ready yeah so so we are um and there's a lot of different reasons for that um but one of the things that we've experienced as all of agriculture has is really it's hard to find labor you know on a farm and so like i've talked about you know we're picking eggs all day long um you know every day monday through sunday um, for about 10 hours straight. And so we need labor to help pick those eggs. Um, you know, we need a crew to um, help artificially inseminate, inseminate those hens. And it's hard to find local help to do what these. What does that job pay? $25 an hour. $25 an hour? Yeah. To, to okay. pick eggs? All right. Or to no, to to inseminate. We're gonna So we're going to go way hotter than we did when we first recorded this. So... <laughs> That's because you turned the fireplace back on. Okay, so... got his Crocs off. Yeah, it's so warm in here, my Crocs So you're having problems finding workers currently, Mm -hmm. or have been. And I was, I'm presuming that that has a lot to do with immigration lockdown that we're on. We're not, we're not, we're not accepting as many immigrants as we have before. It's harder for people to come. Is that affecting, does that have a lot to do with why you can't find employees right now? Right, so... So we, right now at least, are really struggling to find anybody local at all, anybody within an hour's drive. So for right, twenty five dollars for twenty five dollars an hour, well, three days a week. Part of that, yeah. So it's part time, the inseminating part of it, right? Part time, and so when I was eighteen, I actually helped helped uh, do that one winter, and and did you wake up on your own? No, for that never. <laughs> So you, we started at four o'clock in the morning. You were yeah. in the barn at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So yes, Corey every single day drove by my apartment, and my pickup wasn't running yet because winter. It's cold out, you know. Yeah. You gotta start it before you leave. You didn't so have auto start when you were eighteen years old. No, the the GMC Sonoma did not have did auto not, start. Uh-huh. Well, so that's Corey, what Corey was for. Corey'd have to come up, wake me every morning, and then he would go, and then and then I'd come tailing in later at. 3.30, whatever it was, but but yeah, and then it was, mm-hmm. it wasn't, uh, I mean, we were out of there before noon every day, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember right, but... Uh, did you but go home was, and take a nap then, or did you just, like, uh, what did you do? No, I went to take a nap. I've never been really a napper. I can't no. either. So then I just stay up till midnight, one o'clock the next night, and then and then Corey's waking me at 3.30 again. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be mad <laughs> the entire the, the time rotation goes around. But it's, I mean, it was tough work. It was, uh, every single bird... How many birds are in a barn? Um, about four thousand. So four thousand. Yeah. So you would do a barn a day, right? Half I think that's how we did it. Half, half a barn. barn. So we do a half a barn. Okay. Mm-hmm. But either way, so it's two thousand birds. 
So somebody would chase individually these. inseminating each bird. So each bird you so you I like how I made this you hand signal. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you heard him hope everybody a bird. This is how you inseminate a bird. <laughs> but you you sort them out, you bring them to the chute, they go up the chute, one guy grabs the bird, you grab it by the leg and the wing, mm-hmm. the bird beats the hell out of you, slaps you in the face. Yep. And then you, you Good morning. You, you put it in the chair, so it's legs. The the chair is like sounds just like my last pap smear. Yeah, so their legs oh go in this chair. The bird hangs upside down. Were you hanging upside down? I've never been in front of those. That takes a special pap smear swing. <laughs> and then another guy inseminates every single bird. God, you Meanwhile, made this sound terrible. Well, it was. Okay, I mean, I'm the, it's a I'm the new work. guy in the farm. I, it's it's the best way I've had it described when I tried it. It's like kicks. When if you're I doing tried the inseminating, it. if you're, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I wasn't successful. <laughs> it's like sitting on a bike and trying to kickstart that bike with each bird because you got to pressurize that bird to get her open her reproductive tract. So try kickstarting two thousand dirt bikes in eight hours. Yeah. yeah. And then Meanwhile, do it the next day. Pressurize the bird? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sounds a little <laughs> creepy. There's, there's a technique there. There's technique to everything. <laughs> I have so many things I want to say, but we'll just go on with the conversation. Meanwhile, at that time, you had Toms uh, down, and then there's somebody down there milking the Toms, mm-hmm. uh, collecting the semen, sending right. that up to the hens where, where they're inseminating. Right. And these birds you mentioned before are 65-pound birds. Yep. Do you imagine a 65-pound turkey? And you try to grab that thing, and it, it, it wants to tear your head off. <laughs> it's really tough to pressurize that <laughs> son <of a> bitch. <laughs> you know, this what? second podcast might turn out okay. <laughs> I mean, second podcast is better. What's, I like it better. What is a hen? But about what is that a lane third hen? one, I don't know. Third one might unravel quickly. Uh, so um, a hen, when she's laying eggs, is 30 to 35 pounds. Okay. I mean, so they're, you know, they're not a small chicken <laughs> either. What? <laughs> the turkey world's going to tear you down for that. So, You'll never get so it back. I, let's go way back to the, the question about labor. We are paying right now $25, $26 an hour. Plus, we're paying them mileage to drive an hour and 15 minutes there. And we start paying them on the clock when they get in their vehicle to drive up. That's yes. how hard it is to get labor. I don't know how to, how to verb this correctly, um, but... These are not locals, and by I'm assuming, right? And by locals, I mean um, Americans, they're, they're, citizens, they're, right? They're, so there, there are immigrant laborers, laborers, and one of the other issues is we have lots of great folks that are working on farms lo- near us that are on an H-2A immigration status, so they're here to work. The problem is the current law says that they can bring their family here, but their family can't work. So we might have a wife. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we have a wife who is a, has a veterinary science degree. So she works on a local animal farm as a animal manager, but her husband cannot work in Minnesota or the, the United States. What? So he has to stay here, take care of the kids, do whatever. I suppose go get groceries and take care of meals, but he is not allowed legally to work. So they I might be ten minutes from us. That must so have to do think- with the temporary. Right. They, they are of, not allowed to yeah. take U.S. jobs unless they have opened a position that has the same kind of qualifications and tried to get every American to apply possible and proven they can't find an American first. Sure. So thank you for put, using the wife as the worker 
example. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not that <laughs> it's because you're close enough for swinging distance. So Donald Trump has had a big say in immigration and how this is all going down and his opinions. And a lot of the Republican Party is in support of that. But a lot of the Republican Party is also very supportive of their farmers. How how does – I mean, how do you navigate that li- – I mean, is I mean, I'm just gonna well, say I'll it. I'll just, I'll just go. I know where you're. I think I know where you're going with this. Was it easier four years ago? Not necessarily. Um, so I asked. So my grandpa is still involved in the farm, and he is 88 years old. Yep. And I have asked him what have been the biggest challenges that, I mean, that you've had farming, and his response was getting tractors stuck. done that yep (laughs) getting tractors stuck loading out turkeys so when they're you know you load them out to go to market and labor i mean he's always had labor is always always been always an issue and it is in every field of work when i helped uh when so when i was 18 years old is when i helped uh so 18 years ago and the reason that winter is is Corey, who's buddy of mine actually lived with his brother Casey at that time. He was helping with the seminade, and he did for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Well, they knew I wasn't working that winter, wasn't real busy that winter, so they asked about help. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a, you know, I wasn't out there because I, I I needed the work or wanted the work. It was they were asking like like hey we're 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 stuck. We need someone to help this winter. Right. You know that's how. I, so I know eighteen years ago they were having troubles finding finding help. So what so one, one of the things that's really surprising is. Rural America is becoming even more rural, and I don't think people understand that either, is that the populations are getting so much smaller that we used to have 18-year-olds standing around waiting for a job. We don't have that. The 18-year-olds that are here, there's very few of them, and they can drive 20 minutes away, and they can work at McDonald's and know what they're going to make and right. and not have to inseminate birds. You know, and, not and, have to right. get up at 4 in the morning. And not get up at 4 yeah. in the morning. But they're yeah. not going to make $25 an hour at McDonald's. I don't but, think they will care, though. No, I don't think they would. We're going to sound part of old it. now, are they? Yeah, is this, <laughs> but I, is, is I, it generational? Are these guys lazy? Like, what's oh, the deal? These Gen well, Zers. So, so, yeah, that brings me actually to my point. Thanks for the segue. You know, Randy has talked about when he did it, It it's hard work. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I mean, we have had difficulty. I mean, it is hard work and people don't want to have that physical job. The other part of it is um, we have had, you know, we have employed people who are on welfare so they can only work so many hours, so, so many hours or they'll lose their health insurance. So then, so then they're right. telling you that they'll only work so many hours right. because right. otherwise they'll lose their health care and then technically they're working for nothing. Yeah. Yes. Right. They, they'll limit themselves on purpose. Right. Yeah. We had a gal maybe a year ago whose excuse for quitting on us was when she walked into the cooler where the eggs are and walked out, her glasses got foggy. <laughs> that's so funny. she can't work there. <laughs> I mean, that that's, I, that's I a hazard, work hazard, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you tell her to spit on her on her glasses? Because when you go scuba diving, not scuba diving, snorkeling in Mexico, that is when and and your they, glasses fog up from yeah, going in and out the of the water. Goggles. They tell you to spit on your snorkeling goggles. Just spit on it. And it Just. and and it really works. So actually, <laughs> she didn't tell us that. It does. She didn't show up for work one day, 
And so I called her and she didn't answer. And I, I mean, I thought maybe something happened to right. her. You're... Anyway, we ended up hiring her sister I, I mean, at the same time. I mean, yep. so we, um, her, so her sister gave me that excuse. So I heard it secondhand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, that's pretty rough. Like every time you walk out of the cooler, you think it got foggy out. Right. What the, <laughs> what the hell? Fog really rolled in again. But the bottom line here is that there really is not young or old. There's really not. There's nobody presenting themselves within our communities willing to do this job. Is that correct? That is correct. One hundred percent. There's not, no. Not nobody. Right? It's very limited. It's very. It's, would Aurora go work picking eggs? No. Are would, you would she me? vacuum? <laughs> Aurora is our, Aurora's our the, teenage. Do you have any, daughter? Do you have many teenagers working for you now doing the egg picking egg picking thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had quite a few, and um, well, I should say I had five or six, and a few of them were very good. Um, but the majority of them were not. I mean, it was a question of are they going to show up in the morning, you know? And mm. and the other you can't have somebody yeah, not show up. Can't. Exactly. I, mean, like you, I need that. You that have cow. to have that. All over in the barn. Right. Yeah. Right. We need. I mean, like like I mean, a cow needs to be milked. Right. Those eggs need to be picked. This is you know? like when the grain farmer gets cancer or whatever has to go to the hospital for an emergency, has a heart attack, and the neighbors show up to harvest the crop i mean this is your crop like if somebody does not show up to harvest it it's dire it is yeah and you know we've had um family functions where a kid didn't show up so me or eric or my dad has to pick eggs all day and miss out on that right you know so but yeah and so that is that's a huge reason of why we're um, so, you know, transitioning from breeders um, to market birds. But, you know, there's a few other reasons, too. The hatchery that we sell our eggs to is putting a lot more regulations or oh yeah big asks of, of us as farmers. Um, for example, you know, they want everybody to in, invest in your facilities is what it's called. But basically what they want you to do is put concrete in all of your barns. So instead of invest in your facilities, what they really mean is build the buildings we want you to. Build Correct. Buildings. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that's the challenge, you know, for me as a young farmer, um, the barns on, on our farm, I mean, so I'm a fifth generation, sixth generation farmer, but fifth generation to have turkeys. So some of our barns have been around for a long time, you know. So, yeah, you you have to weigh those those financial, I'll call them risk. You Go know, ahead. just do you spend thousands of dollars putting concrete in a barn? And Tens then, or hundreds of thousands. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it's a lot. I have just really struggled with this. I mean, it's a barn, Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of frills? I mean, does a barn require any kind of frills? I mean, you keep the animal warm, fresh air. Well, you do Pillows. in between Pillows. in between flocks though. The barns get completely emptied out. They get right. pressure washed, sanitized. Dis- so yeah. the yeah. reason they're Correct. presenting Correct. this is because of salmonella, right? Correct. And this is something that I'm I'm I I want to understand better. So all I know about salmonella is is that if you don't cook your food good enough or keep your kitchen clean or wash your hands, that's when you get salmonella. So you guys are raising eggs, 
what the hell does that have to do with salmonella? Bush. So you're telling me that salmonella can start, but even so, it start it can start at the egg, but and it can carry all the way through. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the issue that they're trying to stop. But if it's there, can we stop it at a breeder farm? But but either either way, even if it's there, if I still cook my bird correctly. You cannot get salmonella, correct? Well, that's the issue, is that let's take all the pressure off the consumer and put it all on small farms. The entire food safety network now needs to be pressurized on small turkey farms. Because people aren't cooking their birds correctly. Probably. The ones that are getting sick, it's either cross-contamination or not cooking it So we need to bring back home Or or not washing utensils properly or or washing hands. So do you, when you, so so a flock leaves, you sanitize the barn. Do you test for anything? Do you, do they actually take swabs? I don't know how that works. Yep, yep, um, yeah. Shoot, I so I had a comment to make to Becky, but I'll but I'll answer your question though first. Do you, need a, do you, need do you have to write it down? Paper? Here, I got an extra one without any grapefruit on it. <laughs> Here, well, as we learned I'm in, the, in the last podcast, going to as, it question. helps if you if you if you sound it out as you yeah write. you have to sound it out into the mic as you write your notes down. Uh, it helps the listeners too. Yep. So what's going to happen now, and this is part of the reason why we're transitioning, is Talking to your microphone. they're going to test, and if they say you didn't do well enough, we have to do another week's worth of washing. Every week that we wash, we don't get any money because we don't have any eggs being produced. It's so an the, empty building. It's the an birds, empty building. The birds are just sitting idle waiting to go in there. They're sitting home. in another barn, and so we're going to pay all of our employees to sit there and wash the barn a second time or a third time or a fourth time. Yeah, and, and we've done that. And we have. We've done that. And they, and it's to the point where they've said, take the drawer out of the workroom desk. We're going to swab the rail of the drawer. And I bet we'll find oh, so something in it. So it's it's a thorough, thorough It's very deal. thorough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, before we move into um, any barn, we are, we are required to test for salmonella. Um, but also when we have birds in the barn, we do test for it. Every week, but birds oh. so, always have salmonella, right? right? And so that's the point that I forgot that I was gonna um, bring back up to you is that turkeys naturally carry salmonella. Um, of course, there's there's a lot of different strains out there of salmonella, yeah. Um, and it's 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 a a bad one that has been found, you know, in um, like last summer that they had a, a recall on. Um, but, but yeah, me as a farmer, it's, it's extremely difficult to keep salmonella out of the environment that they live in when they naturally carry it. You know, that, that's the struggle and that's the risk. What do you, what do you test for once a week? You said you test once a week. Do you just take a random spot and test for it, or is it like an airborne thing? Or nope. So we, um, so the hatchery sends us. Um, they're called booties. So they're just like a wet sock that you put on Chicks your and shoe. Booties. <laughs> Chicks and booties. <laughs> Shake your booty. I love it when a chick has a set of nice booties. <laughs> Um, but you just, yeah, I mean, they're like a wet sock that you just put over your, you know, your boot and you walk through the barn. Walk through the barn. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. So it'll, you know, if it's, if it's in the so ground in the manure. So that's a reasonable test. It is. Um, you know, so turkeys, I mean, they're going to shed the salmonella virus in their 
the shit, you know, their yep. their fecal material. Um, and so you're, you know, the poo. The poo. You jumped from shit so that's to salmon- fecal material. <laughs> <laughs> Clean it up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, so salmonella is always there. We gotta make sure we beat fecal. That does show up on every single test, correct or no? N- not, not necessarily. Really? Um, yeah, it's. Um, from our experience, I guess, what we have seen, um, and maybe a scientist would say differently, but from what we've seen is when, you're, when your birds are stressed, um, after they're stressed, that's when you see uh, like an increase in, in that salmonella population. So, And stress can be anything. I mean, you know, they could have gotten a disease, um, for example, or... Or you um, open the door and yell "boo." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's ex- you know that, that's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, or it could be you know, I move them from my my brooder barn, which is where we have the babies, you know, into the um, like our holding barn. I mean, even just it's no them. different than in Minnesota. Flu and cold season is in the winter, and it's because being in the cold climate requires more. Requires more from our bodies to sustain, to be living healthy human beings. So that's the stress. The cold mm-hmm. weather is the stress. It's the switch. And that's why we all get the right? cold and flu. I mean, it's not that we can't get the cold and flu in the summertime, but it's that in the wintertime, our bodies are at a higher stress because we're going from the hot to the cold to the hot to the cold. It just requires more from our bodies. So that's why we're more susceptible more susceptible to those things in the winter. That and we have to go indoors more in the winter right. and we have to raise turkeys indoors in the winter. Yes. Is it a so So are they looking for like a like a parts per million if it's over such a such a level, then you need to to, to do something about it or, um, or or what actually are they looking for? I think so. Or have you I'm have not, you ever been over that level where you had to do something about it? Yeah. So we a couple of flocks ago, we did have a strain that the hatchery didn't like. I mean, it was it wasn't a really bad one, but it was one that um, one that they they pay attention to, right? That they pay attention to, and there are some customers um, that buy their poults, you know, that may have said, "Well, if that is coming from, or if 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 knowing that that um, set of poults that they buy is, you know, that strain, how am I saying this?" that's a positive strain of salmonella um they you know there are some customers that may not want to buy those um those poults the other thing that the hatchery can do and this may be you know i don't know if if this is still a practice that they'll continue to do because i think as an as as an industry they want to go i think to zero tolerance um but they have they call it um dipping the eggs and so that's in like a disinfectant type okay. product so when you when you had that did those eggs just get marked that these eggs are subject to this or they, did you have to do is there anything you can do about it so for us on i mean on the farm side there's not i mean once they find you know salmonella in your barn i mean your your farm is marked you know Okay. Salmonella positive, and yep. so so those uh, you know any of the eggs. And you the probably ha- get paid. Do you get paid less on the eggs then? Um, no, we got paid the same. But you know, I mean, I'll let you know too. There was a risk of them sending that flock to market early because oh, okay. so they you know what we were told is that 
you know, if we can't sell your, if we can't sell your eggs, if there's nobody that wants them, um, you know, we may have to send your flock to market. And so for us, um, that would be a huge hit because you're not getting the eggs out of those birds. Yeah. Yeah. So we would, that would probably put us out of business. Um, you know, if, if that had to happen. So if, you know, if we would have had to send, um, our, I'll call it our replacement flock. So just our young hens that will be, you know, our layers when they're old enough, or even a lay, you know, our flock that's laying eggs really at any point in time, but especially right in the beginning or even halfway through their um, lay cycle. If they have to go to market and we lose that, you know, that egg production, that's how my family and I make our living yeah. um, is off of those eggs. And so the money that we've invested into those turkeys, you know, it, that's a lot. Yep. So, are, um, are your eggs tracked like Oakdale eggs? Do, does, uh, does Joe Blow know he's getting Oakdale eggs? To some or degree, they'll chicks. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. They'll okay. know. They can go back to that market farm and know that that's our birds. And know. Mm-hmm. So when they get their birds, they know it's Oakdale birds or it's... I don't know if they're told, but if something happens, they can, they can track it. They can it. figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. They get like a like a mark behind the ear or something. Do they have ears? <laughs> they do. <laughs> they, the eggs. The eggs have ears. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, it, when they become a... a, a do turkeys have ears? They do have ears, but they're like holes on the side of their heads. So like for us, like I can physically see your ear because it's like an appendage on the side of your head. It's not like that for a turkey. It's just okay. a hole. It's just so a hole. On a, do, on a side... When you hold on, when, when you pressurize the birds, do the ears close up? <laughs> no, but you know what? Thunk. I, I imagine that's the sound of pressurized turkey wings. <laughs> yes. Thunk. When they're okay. so, Pressurized. So, so Ask this Corey. Is... He knows a lot about this. Corey from Dirty Jobs? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so if you watch the Dirty Jobs video um, on our farm, you will see my dad demonstrating how to burp a tom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which has no... There's no wild. reason... So there... In the in in the dirty jobs that they you still had toms on the farm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We did. Yeah. I couldn't. I don't. I don't. It, that's been a long time ago. Yeah. Quite a while ago. Um. I think it has been twelve years now. Twelve. Yeah. I think it's been twelve. Yeah. Since our buddy Mike came out. Since our buddy Mike came out. Yeah. When he comes onto this podcast, you want should we invite you guys over to? Yes, please. Hang out with yes, with yes, Mike? please. <laughs> How old were you? Were you at the farm when Mike came? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I was twenty-two. So that so it'll be I think twelve years this spring yeah because okay. he came out he came out in April so my, yeah my entire family we were out um, on the farm uh, with him I mean we spent we literally spent the entire day with him yeah yeah and he I mean w- he is he's not fake at all I mean what you see on TV is 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 what is, you get, you get. yeah um, we always my family we always tell the story when um, we you know tell people about our experience. Um, we served them lunch, and we served turkey, of course, naturally. Um, but he I was actually ham. Yeah, <laughs> pressurized ham. <laughs> uh, but he actually served his crew lunch before he sat down and ate his own. I mean, that's just you know how kind of humble. Classic was. Mike. Yes, Cla- that's just so Mike. <laughs> Every time you've seen him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I is. Mike's got to be an FBN member, right? Definitely. <laughs> I, I didn't see him in Omaha last week at Farmer to Farmer, but he 
probably saved thousands on his chemical order. Yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I've also heard that turkeys, if it rains... Oh, God. <laughs> is this true? Have you heard this? Oh, yeah. Who hasn't so, heard yeah. this? So if, it, if it rains, they here, get wet. Here no, so if it rains... <laughs> is that true? They get, Do they actually get wet? They get hit on the head, they look up, it drops in their mouth and they drown. Is this is this a true thing? No, I. Do they look up? They they might look up, but so if they're outside and it's gonna rain, most likely they're gonna huddle together and actually suffocate each other because they'll they'll crowd together. <laughs> so the pack, so the statement of if so they're tight. outside and it rains, they will die is true. Just <laughs> not that they will drown. Not that they'll drown by swallowing rain. Yeah. So so my dad has a story and I. Uh, I should I when I knew you guys were coming on I should have asked him about this again. So he had to go Give help. Give him a call. One Let's time. have him on the podcast. Because that so originally they were they were all like outside in the woods like like you yep. had them you had them crowd in the outside under yeah. the oak trees. Yep. Yeah, and he he talked right. like one time it was raining and he um, I suppose it would have been your grandpa would have would have called my dad maybe mm-hmm. Dana. I'd, anyway, so he ended up over there helping them chase ta- or turkeys. Yeah. And he was talking how you know they had to get this done or they they would die, and I I just couldn't remember if it was the look up and raindrop or the. So when Zach came to the farm last year and did the video, there's comments on the YouTube, and somebody said, "I bet your grandpa's rolling in his grave seeing this," and we laugh because her grandpa's alive and he's the one that yeah. built the barns <laughs> yeah. because that's what was happening. We're like, we built barns to protect them from that, and this person right. doesn't understand. They think that. Our, her grandpa would be mad because we protect the so birds. So free-range turkeys don't last long. No, I wouldn't say that. Go set a turkey free outside right now and see if <laughs> well, it's around in the morning. <laughs> so there is there is truth to that. So on one hand, so we have moved our turkeys inside for a few different reasons, um, which this is way off topic from your original question that of why we're changing. But <laughs> yeah, we have um, no rails here. <laughs> I'm finding that out. Um, but so we've moved our turkeys inside. That gives us the ability, and not just my family, I mean, all the turkey farmers out you know, out there, but it gives us the ability to raise turkeys year-round so that... Keep um, them healthy. Well, right, keep them healthy, but it gives consumers the choice to eat turkey every day. So you, you take know? every individual turkey and you shove it in a cage and then you also, stack it in the barn. We're also feeding the yes. world. <laughs> On shelves. <laughs> On shelves. So, they're, so turkeys are not kept in cages. They're just, oh, they're, they're just in the barn. Brandy, you know this. You've been in our turkey barns. <laughs> Tell me but, um, more. <laughs> but, 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 um. We handle the fact that Randy doesn't. <laughs> Randy, you know. <laughs> so, yes, our turkeys are in barns. But um, on our farm, and Eric can attest to this, we have coyotes up the yin yang. I mean, they're all over, you know. So, by moving them inside, we have. Protected Safety. them from right from predators. Um, I mean, so you're providing a service to your birds. We are. Um, Thank we you. also especially on <laughs> we, <Sunday> morning. <laughs> <laughs> we also. Um, I have, I have more jokes I'll hold on to. <laughs> um, but yeah, weather. You know, turkeys don't like the cold. Um, that story that you know you told with your dad i mean my dad um i think actually 
helped your dad. I mean, I think they worked together because my dad has told me a story how um, there was a really heavy rain and there were turkeys that got, I mean, they got stuck in this rain, um, stuck up on the hillside, and they didn't, my family couldn't save all of them. And so the next morning they were pulling turkeys out of the mud. I mean, they literally got stuck in the mud. Yeah, it was something like that. And when this podcast airs, my phone will be ringing. It'll be my dad. And he's like, that's not what happened. It was like, <laughs> I tried to bring him an umbrella. We couldn't save them all. <laughs> but even, you know, but I mean, my grandpa tells me a story when, too. I mean, when he was young, you know, everything was outside. Not the not the breeder hens, but um, I mean, they had a snowstorm and turkeys got stuck in the snow, you know, and so they had to dig them out of the snow. No um, different than what's happening, you know, in our, the U- I think it's been two winters now in a row where we've heard the ranchers out in, in South, North, Dakota. Uh, South Dakota, yeah. where their cattle, cattle are being buried in the snow and they are stuck and can't get out. I mean, it's they're, not... They're plowing trails through the snow for the cattle for to the be able right. to walk to, to get their feet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. I mean, it's some not of, anything different. Yeah, you see some of those videos of the guys standing on a snowbank with a shovel, shoveling around a steer's head. Yeah. Right? right? It's just... It's, it's sad. If you've never been out there and you don't understand anything about how that works, it's crazy to think of how that's possible. But well, and, and they're that, going to stand in one place and try to stay warm. And that's hard for us to even understand that, not yeah. being beef operators. So how does somebody who doesn't live on a farm watch a video of our turkey operation understand why our her grandpa put them underneath barn roofs? Right. But this also this isn't anything. I mean, if let I mean, if you go back to the wild, let's talk buffalo and bison. I would assume. They're the same, sorry. Buffalo like, and bison? We're going to talk both about both of them? of them? I don't know if we yes. have enough time. But I would presume that there have been buffalo and bison who died in snowstorms because they couldn't get to the water or, you know, to their food source, to I the green they all grass died because by the of air or the, the, the spike. Well, they did, but that's a whole other episode. No. Whole different deal. I mean, it's not anything new, and it it just brings it back to you know the um, the internet and the but awareness with, that we all are provided, the luxury of life that we have with the internet. And but with climate change, we have such worse storms now. That's where Randy, we're not touching. I think we'll just jump back to the fact that all buffalo and Becky. bison should have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and Becky is four beers in, so we cannot go political or things will go yeah, let's sour. Keep it off the four beer Becky rails. Okay. Okay. So I can touch on, I mean, another reason too why we're changing to meat birds. Yes. Okay. Oh, wait. No, nah, not interested. We need Sorry. to get back to that. Yes. Well, you, yes. you touched on a little bit. Like you said, if the, if the salmonella test in your barn turns up, bad they'll mm-hmm. just they'll just send the birds to market right. now and and you're out you're out all that overhead right, right. so your right. farmer's transitioning yes and um, and hold on operation. it's uh, also an operational change <laughs> <laughs> thank you zach <laughs> i had to look it up on my notes and i already had that one crossed off because i thought we'd talked about it already so i'm sure we, we did will. in the first podcast <laughs> no but i i'm well, double crossing see oh. the second podcast ones get the swirly cross <laughs> instead of the straight line <laughs> So if there's a third one, Erica, take I the need wheel. new notes. Zach, shut it. Can it, Zach? <laughs> Got it. So, Nelsky. <laughs> I like it. 
You found well played. It. Well played. <laughs> I've been working That's on it. that this whole time. <laughs> right I there. saw you writing something. I'm like, wow, Randy's taking a note. <laughs> <laughs> so, but along with an operational transition, we're yeah, also going. Yep. That's right. That That's right. Change. <laughs> we're also going through a generational transition. So when I came um, onto the farm three years ago, my grandfather, my dad, and my uncle were all farming together. My grandpa is now 88, um, so he has significantly slowed down. Um, and so that allowed me to really step in, you know, and, and farm. Now, my my dad is 64, my uncle is like 51 or 52, and so they're not old by any means, but getting older and want to slow down. To have a turkey breeder farm, I mean, it took three grown men to run that farm before, so I can't do that, you know, on my own. And 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 so my, with that being said, um, you know, my dad wants to slow down eventually, and my uncle... Um, it, he is transitioning out. You know, Randy, you had talked about like inseminating, and those toms weigh sixty-five pounds. Um, three thirty, three days a week, all right, there. Right, right. And then he's there the rest of the day. Right, every other day. Right, and so he, you know, he he's gotten burnt out of turkeys. His body is has taken actually a really hard beating. Um, you know, and so so for that reason, um, you know, he's transitioning out and. Um, that just leaves me. So I, so you're presented, I mean, when you're talking about farm transitions, and we've touched on this on other podcasts about how all farms are really different and how it all works. Right now, to me, I am seeing that you're presented with a real opportunity because you're going from your farm um, financially supporting four families, essentially, down to maybe just yours. However, the hurdle that you're going to face as far as employment and the employees that you're going to have to employ because you don't have those counterparts, for say, you don't have those three other individuals who are invested as you, and now you're going to have to make up for them um, with employees, which, let's just face it, they're not going to be as dedicated as your, you know, father and your uncle. Can can I... I'm going to let Erica answer that question. The it other wasn't a thing question. Is, it was just well, a- Yeah. So the other piece is we have to make sure that the generations before us get what they deserve out of the farm, too. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of farm transition. Talk is, in your mic, Eric. Sorry. I've, i got to get closer here. So the, the issue is we need to make sure that Erica's grandfather, dad, and uncle get what they deserve out of the ownership of the they've farm. Put, they've, they've put their life into it. They have. Yep. And there is no reason to believe that we should just get a farm. And I don't think that people understand that that are outside of the world of farming, that nobody gets a farm. You have to earn it. You have to buy into it in some way, shape, or form. So that's a big transition. Got the first. Erica, you mean yeah. that you just it's didn't have a, a silver spoon <laughs> lifestyle? And I mean, that's... I, I don't believe it. Everything the light touches is yours. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't but, that how it goes? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the so the other you know the other thing um, that we want to make sure of is so I'm the sixth generation on this farm and you know right from the start I mean I had always said I'm not going to be the generation that fails that fails you know and and ends this farm. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah. Right. I sleep. Just to 
really dude, well at night. <laughs> dude bringing his family over from Norway and several generations right. later. Yeah. Right. And so, well, I don't know but about that. Norway. Sulaski? <laughs> yeah, she, you said Norway. Yes. She came from Norway her, to Wisconsin. That's her. Yep. She's her, a female. Yeah. This is. She is so a female. We're going to leave it up to our baby Emma to fail, right? No. But, <laughs> but, but that's the other thing. So, you know. I mean, I don't want the farm to fail on my hands, but I also want the opportunity to pass it down to our children. For sure. You know, and and so, I mean, for us, we have to be thinking of taking care of the past farmers, taking care of us as the current operators and the future operators. Okay. As we're approaching the end here of the podcast, I this is this is the one highlight of the last recording session that I epically lost that I thought was just like the epiphany for myself. Corporate farming versus family farming. What is the difference? So so you guys are transitioning to you're still a family farm, um, but I don't did we touch on Who's going to, it's so hard for me to keep straight. So who is going to own the birds at your farm, the up and coming? Yeah, good question. So we have partnered with um, Ferndale Market, and they are out of Cannon Falls. And they, um, when we raise market birds, they will actually own the birds. They are going to pay for the feed, and they are going to pay for the propane, um, to heat our turkey barns. For us, we own the farm, we own the barns, we'll provide the labor, um, we have the knowledge, we have the experience. So, you know, we'll, it's what it's labeled as in our industry is a contract grower. And that's pretty common. For us, that's eliminated a lot of the risk, which we had a lot of as breeders. Um, so raising market birds, we've eliminated that risk. We, um, you know, as always with the breeders, we use our own manure um, as fertilizer on our crops. We still get that opportunity. Um, a lot of farmers uh, in the industry, that's they will become a contract grower um, or start that that opportunity. A lot of times, you know, a kid will come back to the farm, but to support that that full time position, they need to add something. So they'll become a contract grower for. Like for example, Genio, and then that farm can utilize that um, manure as as fertilizer. Right. So you get paid like uh, per pound. Per pound like, basis. Like yep. so many pounds come in, so many pounds leave. You get paid so much per pound. Yep. So yeah. So what we send to market, we get paid per pound. Okay. Yep. So the better you treat the animal, the 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 better you do raising them. Correct. Ultimately, the more so you the, get paid. The yep. corporate farm isn't necessarily eliminating the family farmers. It's maybe it's providing them assurance. Yeah, eliminating and so, their risk. Well, right, and you know, in the in the first podcast that we did, my husband um, explained explained it really well. You know, our farm we're incorporated, yeah. yes. um, and that you know for yeah. us that protects. <laughs> Our farm as a business, but it also protects our our personal assets. So, like, you know, Eric stated his. <laughs> what's your personal assets like beer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, if our farm were to go under, his um, precious fish house. Fish house. You know it. 
that's ours. That's not the farms because we've incorporated. That's my precious. Right. So farms incorporate to. to they grow up so protect. fast, don't they? Those fish houses. <laughs> they, are. they start cute yes. and small, but and then so they grow. I just you know when the the big picture for me is that when you're talking about misinformation or misinformation, yeah, between the consumer and farmers is that out in California, I think there's a lot of people who think that. You know, that their animals are being raised by these big, evil, conglomerate people that that don't care about that don't care about their animals. And that's really it's really not the case, at least in this. And I can't I don't know. I kind of just want to say that that's not the case. There you go. (laughs) Can I I interrupt this heart to heart for my best impression of Jim? Jim mixed with oh, yes. Jim mixed with Miles, you betcha, Bush Light guy. Yes. Holy buckets, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> that was just as good the second time. <laughs> it really was. But I think that I just really this is something that I was having a hard time before this podcast having an understanding and how to explain, and I feel like I've really gotten a good grasp on it. Is that there are big corporations within farming, um, and I, I'm I want to get a better a better understanding in the dairy field, um, and because I think it might be a little different than as far as pigs and chickens and birds go, but the corporations are they're not eliminating and maybe not in all cases I could be presumptuous but they're not necessarily eliminating the small time farmers because they're assisting almost just kind of the way in the very as competitive as farming has gotten they're helping the small time family farmers stay current they're, I'd say they're protecting them yeah they're taking risk away yeah, it's re- spreading the liability out versus just one family having to bear all the burden. Why? Why should every burden. other industry become so horizontally? Mike, Eric. <clears throat> I'm always so bad at the mic. <laughs> so horizontally integrated that you get to be really good at one thing. You know, you get to be really good at plumbing or electrical or whatever. Oh, the yeah. farmer has been told, "I have to be good at everything." Well, why can't you just be good at taking care of animals and not worry about the finances of the business? That is a well, phenomenal. The, the the single farmer, he his risk is is spread over one flock. You know, all right. of your risk is over your one operation. The corporate farm can manage that risk over all of their flocks, and then hire you to to still do all the work. If if they come down with a salmonella and have to depopulate, they can have a new flock in 3 weeks later and it doesn't change right. our farm. So they take they take a little percent out of every out yep. of every farm. And you guys are still just as invested in that animal as you were before because it's still you're still being paid per the quality of product that you're producing. I mean Right. And and I'll add um Ferndale Market. Oh, brought to you by Farmers Business Network. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> um, and so I'll add um, Ferndale Market, who we're gonna, you know, be raising turkeys for. Um, they are third generation. Well, the youngest is um, third generation turkey farmer, and they um, have been in the turkey meat market business. I 
for like around 20 years. Prior to that, they have their own hatchery. Um, they were breeders like us. And so they have been through this transition of, of what we're going through. Um, but as a, as a family and as a business, they're just as invested as, as we are. Right. You know, um, I mean, they are they are a family. Um, Is their competitor for, say, Genial? I mean, that would be their... I, I don't know if you want to call it a competitor. They're probably selling to Genio. <clears throat> so no, they actually they they their market is actually like folks in the Twin Cities that are looking for a niche market because they raise oh, theirs on range okay. still. On their home farm. On their home farm, oh. some of their birds are still on range, and then they also expand to keep their business operating. They knew they had to get bigger than just the small range birds. So because this... when it rained, they lost half their flock because <laughs> they looked up. <laughs> Lightning <laughs> yes. moment here. This is where um, Greg Sabalik he mentioned about how there's a place for everyone. This Within is the dairy farmer the we had dairy on a few farmer episodes and the, ago, a couple podcasts back. And so, what's this farm's name? Ferndale. Ferndale. They have found their niche. Yes. They have a niche, and how niche is that? We're gonna wrap things up. However, wait. I have a Paul story. Oh. Oh, and I have a lightning round. There's so much that we haven't talked about. Okay, wait. No, wait. Wait. Just wait. No, we're 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 gonna wrap things up. However, we're gonna roll all of this into our next podcast episode. And that one's also going to be brought to you by FBN. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And if for whatever reason the next podcast is not what I just promised you, it's because we all... Got too trashed. Yeah. There's a lot of empty beer cans on this <laughs> table right now, okay? But we're going to do no our pizza. best. <laughs> Three-fourths one. Well, we're you gonna, can tip that one We're all going to rehydrate. We're going to come back to